months. Three and a half of sorts. Since our last podcast, Joshua has been traveling the country. I've been back at school doing the studies of sorts. Um, but it's a new year and it's a new, well, same podcast of sorts, but a new layout that we'll get to later. Um, but as we've always said, welcome back to the Stone Podcast. Joshua Insinius, Benjamin Goff. We're here to bring you all of the major news of film and talk about the different... All the breaking news. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Harvey Weinstein real quick, if you guys haven't this heard. This is not even breaking, no. Um, but we're glad to be back. And we've got oh, some... Uh, we, oh, sorry, I'm yawning. We miss... We didn't talk about any of that. Mm-mm. There was so much sexual harassment. Yep. So Sexual harassment. It's terrible. So I think to close that matter, we'll just say... Don't do that. No. Stop. Don't be evil. That I Okay. And that chapter's done. Case closed. And we're moving on. Dun, dun. And it's 2018, and what better way to start a year than how we started last year? Um, talking about Sundance. Did we? We did our top 10 list. Yeah. And then we did a music podcast, and then we did Sundance. What did I pick from Sundance last year? Do you remember? Call Me By Your Name. Oh, look at that. How prescient. So, Call Me By Your Most Name. Most overused word on Twitter. Uh, oh, man. 2018 is a, a year where we're not going to talk about Twitter on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, but Call Me By Your Name has managed, as Josh predicted, to carry its weight through awards season. And it's in 2017. And it is arguably... The front runner. Maybe. A, a front runner. Yeah, I would say more The Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside of blah, 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 that long title movie. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, those are the front runners, but right. it's, it's, I hope this is the front runner. I'd probably say Call Me By Your Name in no specific order. Call Me By Your Name, Lady Bird, Shape of Water. Get three, Out. Get Out. Maybe and The th- Post. Yeah, The Post, Three Billboards, Phantom Threads Picking Up Steam. But I don't know that it, I think it was released too late. But anyway, listen to Josh. What are we talking about? Call Me By Your Name, <laughs> Last Sundance. Fast forward now, we're in 2018. <laughs> Sundance is this Thursday, the 18th, right? Yeah. And there's some good stuff coming up, and I'm going to tell you it's right now. It's an interesting year. We haven't seen anything, of course, because they're all debuting there. But... Um, Josh and I have a few picks that we think will carry their weight through next year. Um, and like, so let's see. Last year we had Calling by Your Name. We had Mudbound. Get Out. Get Out. We had The Big Sick. I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which ended which up. That take, kind of flopped. I mean, it went it, to Netflix and it was never heard of from again. It took the jury prize. Yeah. And I still haven't watched it. Nope. But Calling by Your Name and Big Sick are on Ann Thompson's list of, and Get Out. And get out. On Ann Thompson's list of Oscar hopefuls for Best Picture. So be that as it may, take it with a grain of salt. But we've got a few movies picked out. And to follow the layout, we've got a few movies picked out from Sundance that we'll tell you about that we think you should see and keep your eye on. And then at the end, we'll talk about a sort of not new format, but I think as we've reevaluated the Stone podcast and as we've thought more about it, I think we have a pretty solid pick on what you, the listener, likes from what we can see, uh, like our listening tallies 
from people. And then also just the podcasts in 2017 that Josh and I had the most fun doing and researching. So we'll talk about where the Stone Podcast is headed, and Josh and I are excited about it, and we think you will be too. But first, on the docket, yeah. Sundance 2018, Park Boom. City, Utah. Yeah. We're in New York City, much better, but nonetheless, Sundance is going on. Josh, give us a movie. What's the first one you're on your radar? So Desiree Akavan made a movie in 2014 that was a big hit at Sundance called Appropriate Behavior. Say the name again for everybody to hear. Uh, the name of the girl? Yes. Thanks. We looked it up. Desiree Akavan. There we go. That's how you say it, people. And uh, it's based on this book by Emily Danforth, um, this new movie. It, the movie and the book are also called um, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Um, I think this is, for some reason, the year of the, of the gay reparative therapy movies. Because this is the Sundance one. And then in the fall, there's a Lucas Hedges movie called uh, Boy Erased about a boy who's sent to a conversion therapy camp that's going to be an Oscar movie, I'm sure. So anyway, I'm gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to just read the descriptions of the movies from the Sundance website because yes. we haven't seen them. So this is going to help you as much as it helps us. So here we go. Cameron Post looks the part of a perfect high school girl, but after she's caught with another girl in the backseat of a car on a prom night, Cameron is quickly shipped off to conversion therapy uh, that treats teens for struggling with same-sex attraction. At the facility, Cameron is subjected to outlandish discipline, dubious, quote, de-gaying methods, and earnest Christian rock songs. But this unusual setting also provides her with an unlikely gay community. For the first time, Cameron connects with her peers, and she's able to find her place among fellow outcasts. Um, so Desiree's first film was about um, sort of a, a bisexual girl um, making her way. It was like, imagine if there was a Woody Allen movie about a bisexual girl and she was the actual lead. Hmm. Um, this is, that's what appropriate behavior is. So this movie is sort of in that vein. I'm sure it'll be like really intense and dramatic at times due to the nature of like the psychology of the parents involved. Hmm. And, um, yeah, it's in the U S dramatic competition. It's a feature film and it's starring, um, Forgive me if I don't say her name right. Chloe Gase Moretz. Moretz? That sounds right. Is that right? Anyway. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. You, I mean, you know if you see her. Um, yeah. So it's not um, not a not a big movie, and I anticipate that it'll probably come out in the spring or in the summer. It's certainly not going to be one of those. It's not going to be like an Oscar movie, I don't think, especially because Hollywood's already making its own version of this movie. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one to see at Sundance. There you go. Yeah, I I think that, you know, with stuff like Moonlight and Call Me By Your Name, we're definitely getting more LGBTQ movies in the spotlight. Um, I have a film that I think will be a good one. Um, let me read the description. Colin is trying to make it through his final days of probation for an infamous arrest he can't wait to put behind him. Always by his side is his fast-talking childhood bestie, Miles, who has a knack for finding trouble. They grew up together in the notoriously rough Oakland, a.k.a. the town, in quotes, which has become the new trendy place to live in the rapidly gentrifying Bay Area. But when Colin's chance for a fresh start is interrupted by a life-changing missed curfew, his friendship with Miles is forced out of its comfortable buddy comedy existence and the Bay Boys are set on a spiraling collision course with each other. 
the first words that Sundance uses to describe this movie are exploding with raw energy. And that piques my interest, of course, because I think that we're also getting to a point where it is now more evident than ever that independent films are genre bending um, and they cannot fit one. And so as we've read in this description that it's like there's no, you know, the buddy comedy is only going to be for a little bit, but it's tailoring itself into finding something new. And so this film from Carlos Lopez Estrada is going to be a good, um, I think a good example of what genre means to the independent film industry um, which I think is kind of oxymoronic, so let me rephrase that, to the independent film movement, because we're always moving forward with independent films. Um, interestingly enough, Estrada won a Latin Grammy for an animated video that he once did, so he's no stranger to the limelight. Um, and I'll be interested to see, um, because this is his first feature film, um, it's always interesting to see if people can make the jump from shorts to features, um, which is something that it's always, it seems about 50-50 about people who can do it and people who can't. So we'll see uh, where that's playing. Um, it currently does not have a distributor. Most of these don't. No. With I, mean, I think that's what for, made, Except for a few of the per- movies in the premiere section. Right. That's what made Call Me By Your Name kind of a... A different thing was that yeah just before I me mean, like I think the day of Sundance they announced that Sunny Sunny purchased it yeah so but that happens more and more because Hollywood doesn't make I mean no they don't make um, adult melodramas reading the, reading this description it feels like Neon might buy it I could see Orchard Films but also buying it um, so we'll see if Netflix buys it which they kind of changed the game last year last year was the year that Netflix really came in and just ravaged their way through the festival, Mm -hmm. making everybody spend much more than people had anticipated. Mm -hmm. We'll see if Netflix ends up picking this up or if, you know, a good theatrical distributor can get their hands on it first. But yeah, so be on the lookout for blind spotting. Yeah. From Carlos Lopez Estrada. So the next one I have is another feature film. This is in the premiere section, which means it's not in competition. Mm-hmm. It is based on a stage play written and directed and acted by Rupert Everett. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Happy Prince. Um, it details the last three years of Oscar Wilde's life, um, a period right after his trial and imprisonment for indecency. Um, and the description goes... Sequestered at a remote seaside hotel in France by faithful friends, a buoyant Oscar Wilde is soon restlessly traversing Europe under assumed names, beset by familiar, wearying impulses to reunite with his estranged wife or his former lover, Sir Alfred Bosey Douglas, whose former provocations brought Wilde to ruin. Fading health, dwindling funds, and more betrayals await Wilde, who relentlessly, who relentlessly seeks love and creative outlets and whatever taverns and alleyways will still welcome him. It's here that Rupert Everett particularly shines, evoking the spirit of the once-celebrated fallen genius who finds divine light even in the darkest corners of life. This movie sounds fantastic. This could be... I mean, if it weren't such a strange year for movies in 2017, 
you wouldn't have seen three or four movies coming out of Sundance that are Oscar contenders. It's usually right. one. Yeah. So if there's one that I think could be a potential Oscar contender, it could be Rupert Everett. It could be a, it could be a few things. It could be a comeback film. It could be anything because he right. wrote, directed, and starred in the play, and then now in the film. Um, I think it sounds fascinating. It's one of those movies that skews the sort of the person we've come to come to um, know in history and sort of bring more of their real life yeah. experiences to the table. And um, yeah, I cannot wait to see it. There is always that aspect of Sundance where it's like, is it really worth it to go if you're not mm-hmm. industry? Because there is the sense that... Well, there's like, I mean, yeah. I mean, Sundance is like a microcosm of all of film in a sense where it's like, you never know what you're going to get. There might right. be reviews out there, but you, you're kind of just throwing yourself, throwing caution to the wind. And you're like, I'm just going to go see this because it'll be cool to see. I mean, Sundance is probably the ultimate, um, I'm going to be first to see this. Because right. usually it's the press who get that feeling, but this has like whole thousands and thousands of people who come to this just so they can say they saw it first. Yeah. I mean, because with the last podcast we did with the New York Film Festival, most of those movies had had their world premiere. Most of them had had a U.S. premiere as well. Mm-hmm. And so Josh and I sat in the P&I for Florida Project. Yep. And we sat in the P&I for Zama and BPM and the rest of these movies. BPM had already won the Audience Award at Cannes. Yeah. So it's like there is a kind of aspect of most people like this, so I probably will too. And that's kind of what makes Sundance yeah. so interesting. Like what's going to come yeah, out on the other true, side? Because except for a few things, like like the writer played New York Film Festival this last year, but is also playing at Sundance this year. Right. Kind of random. And then I think, um, I think what was that Joaquin Phoenix film that won like him best actor at Cannes? You were never really there, I think. Oh yeah. I think that's playing here. So there's a few interesting things that are sort of making their way to America right. via Sundance. And they're sort of being relaunched as a as a as a property, right? Um, but for the most part, these are truly untested things. And yeah, I mean, maybe that's a part of the alchemy of their sort of their creative community, where people don't worry about the risk of spending X amount of dollars to see a movie that might not delight you. Whereas by the time you get yeah. to New York Film Festival, fifty uh, percent of it, you know, you know, it's been vetted by everyone, all the all the programmers in the the world. Kent Jones says it's not, you know, an Oscar bait festival, but let's be honest, it's an Oscar bait festival. Well, I mean, a lot of a lot of movies use it as a kickoff or a right. launching point. I mean, but it's funny how some some misfire while doing that. Like, look at Last Flag Flying. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie was supposed to be the big Oscar movie, and no, nothing. No, no uh, Golden Globe nominations, nothing. I mean... It's not going to get any Oscar nominations either. Battle of the Sexes came out a month before... Uh, no, two months before that movie. And that is what Steve Carell got nominated for, the Golden Globes. Yeah. He didn't get nominated for, for this, which actually is arguably a much better role for him. But it's just... Um, it's still a crapshoot, even depending on how, P- how PR people use it. Yeah. So, moving on, we've got... My next film, my last film that I think everybody should be on the lookout for, it's called Yardie, Y-A-R-D-I-E. And 
the description is as such. On a hot night in Kingston, Jamaica, 1973, mm. Jerry Dredd stops the music at an outdoor party to encourage a truce between warring gangs. His little brother, Dennis, looks on from the crowd as an assassin's bullet rings out, taking Jerry's life. A decade later, Dennis is the right-hand man to gang boss Fox, who sends him on a loyalty-testing mission to London. But when the mission goes wrong, Dennis hides out with an old flame and decides to find his brother's killer. It's not the movie itself that sounds interesting, um, because it's directed by Idris Elba. And Idris Elba is making his feature film directorial debut with Yardi. And I think that's what interests me the most. Because we're seeing right now someone who started within the industry um, and is now being snubbed by the Golden Globes for a Best Director nomination will probably end up getting nominated and hopefully win an Oscar for Best Director with Greta Gerwig and Lady Bird. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited to see how Idris Elba does that he's been in front of the camera and behind the camera. Uh, he's directed a teleplay uh, five years ago um, called The Pavement Psychologist. And so it's it's different. It's a teleplay. It's not a feature film. Um, Sundance also wanted to remind me that he directed the Mumford & Sons music video Lover of the Light. I honestly don't care. I'm more interested in his feature film stuff. So this is his directorial debut. I'll be interested to see how it works out. I think that's always interesting to see how different people in cinema, because it's not like musicians switching instruments. Um, and it's not like musicians going from in front of the microphone to behind the microphone and producing albums. It's interesting to see when actors go from in front of the camera to directing. And I think that very few people can do it well. Um, I think everybody, not that everybody was surprised with Greta Gerwig. I think it was just kind of like how big Lady Bird actually blew up. Yeah. I think everybody was, everybody was going to like it. I tell you right, it got great reviews. It was going to play a long time. Like it's still at the Angelica. Um, I don't think people expected it to, to receive this much award season praise. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see how Idris Elba can not follow in Greta Gerwig's footsteps per se, but just follow down that line of you've acted, you're a great actor. I would love to see him as James Bond, but how can you do behind the camera and how can you do, um, you can act, but can you direct actors? Mm -hmm. um, and so it'll be interesting to see. It seems like this is kind of right up his alley. That's like gritty, almost verite style, I'm assuming the the the, the picture will be, because um, I'm thinking of his role in Beasts of No Nation. Mm -hmm. um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of how he pulls that together, and I am assuming by his name only, it'll at least get some sort of theatrical distribution. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, he's got enough of a pull for people that they'll go out. Although, The Mountain Between Us... I didn't see it, but I'm glad I didn't because it, those reviews coming out of it were pretty, pretty garbagey. Really, anything that comes out around the time of 
New York Film Festival press screenings I miss. So that was definitely one of them. Some yeah. other things I don't remember, but so if yeah, if New York Film Festival is the kickoff to award season, then everything else that comes out during that time that's not in the New York Festival gets buried. And it's pretty gross. I think that's when like that weather movie came out. The weather movie. You know the weather movie with Geostorm. Oh, Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that came out the same weekend as uh, Blade Runner 2049. Which, man, I missed it. I would have loved to have seen that movie in 40X. In 40X? Oh, yeah. What does that mean? It's not 3D, it's 4D, where like you feel the movie as well. Oh, I, that's stupid. I re- party at Regal Union Square, because that's where they have the 4DX yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway... Be on the lookout for Yardi, Idris Elba. Let's see how he can fare. I think he'll fare well, but let's just see. Josh, your final pick. It's another feature film. We've picked nothing but feature films, but there's episodics there. There's short films. There's everything. Documentaries. All kinds Looking of stuff. Looking at you, Eric Hines. Yeah. So this one is in the World Cinematic Dramatic Competition. It's called Loveling. Mm-hmm. It's by writer-director Gustavo uh, uh, Pizzi. And it's written by him, and it's co-written by Karen Tellis, who was in the movie The Second Mother that came out three years ago. Mm-hmm. Wonderful movie. Saw it at the Paris Theater. Um, they've written and worked together before. Um, and so the movie... I'm having a hiccup I can't control. <laughs> we just had some great yucca fries yeah, before so, this. So I am... I am I'm out. No, um, so the description is, Irene is raising four rambunctious sons in a home that is physically crumbling but warm and happy. As Irene simultaneously shelters sister Sonia, who just left a volatile marriage, supports her own husband through a financial crisis, and plans her own long-awaited high school graduation, Irene's eldest son, Fernando, suddenly announces he has been recruited by a professional handball team in Germany and will be leaving in just three weeks. Consummate caretaker Irene prickles at the idea of emancipating the 16-year-old so he can travel and live alone, and she becomes increasingly anxious about what her future holds. Uh, It sounds fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's um, uh, what sounds like a great movie out of Argentina. I think it's the opening night film for the World Dramatic uh, Competition, so that says a lot. Right. Um, for what Sundance thinks of it, um, yeah, just it, I, there's not a trailer out, but Sundance has like director profiles on their YouTube page, and there's a three minute sort of featurette of the director and the writer and about the movie, and it just looks really interesting. It looks like um, it looks like just my kind of movie, I guess, sort of a family drama. Yeah, um, you but do love those family dramas. I do, I do like family dramas and. Um, I like foreign romantic comedies for some reason. I'm not a big American romantic comedy because I just maybe I'm so familiar with the tropes that to see other uh, other like nuances of relationships and yeah. way the things that people get caught up on um, in other places of the world. Maybe that's more funny to me than anything else. Josh, one of your favorite actresses, Sophia Loren. Yep. I think that that's self-explanatory as to what type of movies Josh like. You you really fell in love. Not that you didn't like them beforehand, but I think you had you fell deeper in love with Italian comedies in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was uh, the Mastriani retrospective at Film Society of Lincoln Center, 
And I saw Marriage Italian Style, and it was like revelatory for me. Not nearly as, I, I'm sorry, Divorce Italian Style is not nearly as good. No. You and I saw that together, and I think we were both pretty disappointed yeah, with it. Yeah, I don't know why that's the more famous one. Maybe it's just because Criterion has the rights to that one and not Marriage. I'm not sure. There's a great box set out there. It's called the Sophia Lauren box set or whatever. But it's really a Vittorio De Sica <laughs> box set because it's three of his movies starring Sofia Loren and Mastriani, uh, Mar- Marcello Mar- Mastriani. And then there's also a Victor- uh, Vittorio De Sica documentary on it. So it's like the documentary in the box set's about him. This is not about her. They're just finding a way to sell it, which is kind of smart. Sex sells. Yeah. I mean, she's a voluptuous woman. Um, and she's done some amazing stuff. Um, yeah. But anyway... Way off topic. Speaking of retrospect, well, so Sundance, it's coming up. We'll close out. We'll 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 hit this again after the Sundance's first week, um, and we'll kind of talk about movies that we predicted and how critics are now opening up to them and what it looks like for um what it looks like for twenty eighteen for these movies. Like last year, I came out of Sundance and I said, "Call me by your name." And Josh predicted it was going to carry its weight. Did I? I think we both kind of did. That it was like, that's kind of what people were saying. And it's kind of, I was like, yeah, this is the movie that's going to do it. And then I came out, I liked Brigsby Bear, which didn't really do well. I think it fared well, but I don't think it played long. Yeah, you saw Call Me By Your Name. I, that was the, I haven't seen it during award season. The you last, need to see it again. I, I'll have to before. See it at the Paris. And then I saw Sydney Hall, which if you want to hear me, trash a movie go back and oh the disappearance of sydney hall have they changed the title is this one with logan lerman yes oh yeah they changed it. it's coming out this spring isn't that good maybe oh. we talked about it but i didn't yeah see it so i well. ripped it to shreds oh really? i hated it a24 is putting that out yikes i hope it's been re if it's been recut maybe and maybe i some... mean they did wait a year to put it out yeah i ooh, it's oh, oh boy um i'll be very reluctant to see what uh, to say things, I'll see what critics are saying. But I did not like it. The vanishing of Sydney Hall is that the okay? Was that not the name? Oh my god! Its Metacritic score is nineteen. Oh, well, that must be from Sundance last year. There you go. Um, yeah, it was just called Sydney Hall. It doesn't look that good. I don't know why I went and saw that last year, but my god, it was awful. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll follow up on Sundance in a few weeks and kind of talk about and how the festival finished up but to talk about the podcast itself let's podcast about a podcast mm. podcastception I'll delete, I'll delete that um we've got a lot of good stuff coming up so if you remember last summer josh and i had a few weeks in a row where we talked about the momies retrospective about steven spielberg we talked about the Film Society of Lincoln Center's retrospective of Marcella Mastriani. And we talked about the Film Forum's retrospective on Ernst Lubitsch. And I think that I speak for Josh when I say that both of those, or, or excuse me, all three of those were some of our favorite podcasts to record and research. And so as we talk about festivals and we talk about new films coming out, we did a podcast on like Guardians of the Galaxy last yeah. year. What this podcast is going to be as far as the cinema aspect of it, it's going to be 
tailored to New York City retrospective repertory art house theater goingness, theater goingness. And so, for example, in February, we've got great lineups across the city. Film we've got the third, um, what's that sex movie series? What? I'm just making things up. But what is that series called? The sex series? No, it's about the woman who likes to get beat up. I don't know this so one. The third one is um, Grey. Oh, oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. There's a new one. Uh, Fifty Shades Freed. Yeah. So No, we're not talking about that. Well, we might. But maybe not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from February 7th to March 15th, Film Forum is hosting the Centennial Ingmar Bergman retrospective. We'll be talking about that. Ashley Clark at BAM has programmed a fantastic series called Black Superheroes on Film. If you weren't able to make it to his uh, Black Soldiers in World War II series, shame on you. You missed out. Um, but we've got that. MoMA, as Josh and I were geeking out over mm. text the other day, is going to have their 15th annual International Festival of Film Preservation, which gets They're me showing an, like an eight-hour-long uh, Fassbender like German movie or, or a series or something that's like never been shown in America. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff and that will obviously wait. So for New York city listeners, it'll be great because we'll give you things to go see and we'll give you, um, kind of things to look out for. But in the age of the internet, most of this stuff is streaming. Um, especially the Sundance stuff. Yeah. And most, Oh yeah. Especially Sundance stuff. Um, also, you could support these artists by paying, what is it, like $2 on iTunes to watch these movies. You're not far gone, people who aren't in New York City. And for the most part, this Ingmar Bergman retrospective, I know for a fact, is traveling across the country. Yeah, I think surprisingly the last place it's going is Los Angeles. Yeah. Looking at you, Los Angeles, last. I could just rip Los Angeles right now. But it's a new year. I'm a new person. New podcast. I don't rip people anymore. Somebody heard somebody the other day asked me about my thirst street rip. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you later. <laughs> what? But uh yeah, so that's so random. Um I apologize <laughs> for all my twenty seventeen rants. But did it, anyone even see that movie? I don't think so. But I think the people who did and reviewed it on Letterboxd probably know C. Mason Wells. Oh, yeah. And so they were just giving him good grades to try and stay in good grace. Probably. At any rate, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. New York City always has great retrospectives. We've got Rendezvous with French Cinema. We've got uh, the New York Jewish Film Festival is going on right now. New Directors, New Films. Oh, so if you can't catch it at Sundance, you'll catch it at either New Directors yeah. or BAM Cinema Fest. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff coming to you soon. We will. There's a format of we'll pick some movies within the series that we think you should see, movies that we'll be seeing and you can join with us, but it will be tailored around repertory, retrospective cinema. And that's the best kind. Like, for example, I know for a fact you and I will probably be talking about Bam doing Beyond the Canon. And mm-hmm. we'll see... Uh, sing- Next month is the first edition. Yeah, and there's uh, Singing in the Rain and Golden 80s. Chantal Ackerman's kind of pastiche, if you will, to 
the golden age of Hollywood, Busby Berkeley style. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, the new format is not anything that we haven't done. We're not changing it up. We're just more we're focusing, thinking about the things that we liked to do last year, thinking about the things. Most of our listens came from the Spielberg, Lubitsch, and Mastriani series. Nice. Um, there was also one random one that I'll have to go look up when I upload. It's probably Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it was something totally random where I was like, of all the, th- it was a fluke. Um, but those got the most listens. So not only are we going to enjoy this more, but you, the listener, are going to enjoy it more as well. So we will be go- we will be taking a bi-monthly approach to these podcasts. So you can expect 24 this year because we'll be... You mean bi-weekly? Isn't bi-monthly? Semi-monthly. 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 Wouldn't bi-monthly be like every, every other, other month? month. Yeah. yeah. I'm... So bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Semi-monthly. I don't know if it means that, but... Semi-monthly. Well, if semi-weekly means twice a week. Is that what that means? Mm-hmm. I never use that. At any rate, bi is better, and that's what I meant. Bi-weekly. Um, and so you can expect our next one will probably be about one of the series that we just previewed with BAM or uh, Film Forum. And like, listen to this lineup at Film Forum. Just the first few days, you've got Seventh Seal, obviously, that's going to bring in so much money. Frenzy, Crisis, Summer with Monica, It Rains on Our Love, Wild Strawberries. That's in the first three days, mm. and it's over a month long. So I think there's like 32 restorations and in this series. They're playing Phantom Carriage. I mean, golly. If that doesn't wet your whistle, then I don't know what does, people. Yeah, what what's your whistle? Um, I hope it's Ingmar Bergman movies. Like, I know for a fact I will be taking my girlfriend to see a few of those because nothing says date night like wild strawberries. Or her, some take her to eyes wide shut while you're at it. Oh yeah, I think that would actually be a really fun one. So get ready because it's coming your way and it's coming fast and you well, now you're ready for we gotta it. We've got to end this podcast. Because we told you. Hey, and we're, we're pulling in right at 34 minutes. So we're going to keep it short, as we always do. For the Stone Podcast, Joshua Insinius, Benjamin Goff. We'll see you next time. In two weeks.